Hello, everyone, and welcome to Saving Minds, the podcast that uncovers the best of what's new in the search for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease treatments. I'm Shanti Skiffington, your host. And today I'm welcoming back my co-host, Dr. Elliot Goldstein, who's back from his international travels. He's also joining us as a guest to bring us up to speed on another misfolded protein disease called multiple system atrophy, or MSA. Welcome back, Elliot. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be back. So uh, to kick off today's conversation, tell us what MSA is. Okay, well, uh, MSA stands for multiple system atrophy. And in really simple terms, it's sort of a form of Parkinson's disease because it has some common features with Parkinson's disease. Um, like other, uh, like almost all other neurodegenerative diseases, like Alzheimer's, ALS, Parkinson's, frontotemporal dementia, the root cause is a misfolded toxic form of an otherwise normal protein. In this case, a misfolded toxic form of alpha-synuclein. So here again, we see alpha-synuclein as the culprit, if you like, uh, driving neurodegenerative disease like Parkinson's disease and now multiple system atrophy. So that's a key similarity. And uh, in fact, patients with multiple system atrophy show many signs of Parkinson's disease, but additional signs as well, which actually make it a, uh, what can I say, an an even harder disease to address both in terms of treatment and day-to-day living. So it's a progressive neurodegenerative disorder, like like the others I mentioned, Um, but it's characterized by a combination of systems that affect two, uh, sorry, a combination of symptoms, excuse me, that affect two systems in the body. One is the movement system, if you like, in the brain, like in Parkinson's disease. It's affected in a very similar way with death of neurons in that part of the brain that causes Parkinson's disease, the part of the brain known as the substantia nigra. Um, So we see that patients do have similar symptoms of rigidity, uh, difficulty in movement and muscular control, a tremor, and, and similar Parkinsonian symptoms. However, what makes the disease more damaging, if you like, harder to deal with is, is that the patients are also uh, show signs of uh, death of neurons in what we call the autonomic nervous system. That's the part of the nervous system that functions uh, on its own. You're not aware of it and controls important uh, functions like blood pressure, uh, digestion, um, cardiovascular function like heart rate. And so these patients have death of neurons not only in the region that causes or that's that's a a root cause of Parkinson's disease, but they also have death of neurons in the back part of the brain near the brain stem and spinal cord leading to this double set of symptoms. But once again, this is a disorder very similar to the other neurodegenerative diseases in the sense that it's driven by a misfolded toxic protein. We often refer to these proteins as prions. So how how prevalent is the disease? Because Parkinson's, we've heard a lot about, but this might be a new disease to many of our listeners. So can you tell us, um, again, what the prevalence is? Yes. Well, it, it's, it's a rarer disease than Parkinson's disease. Um, it's estimated that up to 50,000 patients uh, suffer from MSA, multiple system atrophy, in the United States. So that's a less than a tenth of the patients, the approximately million patients or so, who suffer from Parkinson's disease. So it is rarer. It 
it, it, its prevalence is roughly on the order of, say, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, where there's 35 to 40,000 patients. Um, interestingly, like all neurodegenerative diseases, unfortunately, the treatments that are available only address some of the symptoms. Um, and some of these symptoms uh, include fainting spells, problems with heart rate, erectile dysfunction, bladder control, in addition to the so-called Parkinsonian symptoms of um, um, motor or muscle problems, such as limited muscle control or movement, limited mobility, tremor, rigidity, and loss of coordination, and uh, poor balance, if you like, or difficulty walking. Um, so it's, it's a rarer disease. Uh, again, m you know, m much less frequent and common than Parkinson's disease, but also more aggressive, tends to occur in patients by the time they're 50 and has a more rapid, deadly course than Parkinson's disease. Okay. So truly another terrible disease. Uh, now you had mentioned it's a prion disease and I believe Alzheimer's was recently discovered to be what's called a double prion disorder. Maybe you could explain for us what prions are and why the recent AD discovery is significant. Yes, we'll talk about that discovery by uh, Dr. Stan Prusner in a second, who actually won the Nobel Prize in 1997 uh, for the discovery of, uh, of, of, of prions, which again are these misfolded toxic proteins. Let me give you two different definitions, okay? One that's sort of functional, sort of describes them by what they do, and one that's a little more structural. Let's begin with the structural one first. Um, so prions are misshapen proteins. They're actually proteins that have unfolded partially. Proteins are normally all folded up in a highly, highly specific structure. So they're misshapen, they unfold. Parts of them that are visible are not usually visible. Misshapen proteins that spread through tissue, any tissue, in this case brain tissue, spread through tissue like an infection by forcing the normal forms of that same protein to adopt the same misfolded shape and become toxic on their own. Um, in terms of, so that's sort of what they look like, if you like, um, misshapen, abnormally folded, unfolded, uh, small clumps of proteins. Uh, from a functional definition, I like to say, simply put, what do prions do? They kill and corrupt. Uh, they're toxic clumps of misfolded protein, we like to call those aggregates, small aggregates, that are deadly to neurons. In the vicinity of a neuron, a misfolded protein, a prion, uh, is deadly. Secondly, is the spreading through the brain. And they do this by corrupting normal protein in the vicinity. So they spread, uh, spread to normal protein, killing more nerve cells, and this spreading is called propagation. Um, so quickly about the Stan Prusner study, uh, the study showed that self, this was in Alzheimer's disease, but again, it's just a prototypical example of neurodegenerative diseases. There are multiple neurodegenerative diseases known to be caused or where the root cause is known to be a prion form of an otherwise normal protein. In Alzheimer's disease, Stan Prusner uh, study uh, reported really interesting information that um, in the brains of patients who died of Alzheimer's disease, they found significant levels of self-propagating or prion form of amyloid beta and self-propagating forms of tau, prion forms of tau. Um, 
so what we're seeing is, is that Alzheimer's disease is a dual prion disorder with the initial insult or initial problem, if you like, being the formation of prions of amyloid beta, toxic misfolded clumps that spread and kill neurons. But also it's now been shown that uh, with the initiation of these toxic forms of amyloid beta, the protein tau, TAU protein, which we've discussed in prior podcasts, is also induced to become misfolded and toxic and spread as well. So that's the one-two pathological punch, the one-two deadly punches of Alzheimer's disease. And interestingly enough, we're seeing dual prions in other diseases as well, such as ALS, where we know that SOD1, another misfolded toxic protein, and a very important protein called TDP43, is also found to be misfolded. So we're seeing across neurodegenerative diseases more than one toxic form of a protein, more than one messed up bad protein, if you like. Um, and again, Stan Fusner, who was the first to discover prions and their ability to propagate or spread, this is this deadly ability they have that is absolutely unique to the protein world. So I, I know we're talking about MSA today, but since, as you said, there are so many similarities between MSA, AD, and Parkinson's, how could this greater understanding of prions change the way researchers approach therapy for each disease? This is a great question, Shanti, and kind of the heart of today's podcast. Um, and, and importantly, as you look at the different neurodegenerative diseases, some common important themes emerge across all of them and that give us some very important lessons or learnings about how to approach treating them. So what's common across these different diseases like Alzheimer's, ALS, Parkinson's disease, and today our subject, which is MSA? Well, again, it's a misfolded, toxic, prion form of protein that's killing neurons. Different prions, different proteins that have become prions, killing different neurons in different parts of the brain. But ultimately, at the base of it is the death of neurons that's causing the symptoms, and that's what we want to stop or slow down is the killing of neurons. So across these different diseases, three sort of key things I'd like to point out. One, that the prion or prion forms of the protein, in this case the prion form of alpha-synuclein, is present in very low concentrations compared to the normal forms of that protein, extremely low concentrations, maybe one one-thousandth the concentration of the normal proteins. This starts suggesting some keys or clues to how to go about treating them or what sort of treatments we need. Second, so prions are in very low concentration, overwhelmed, the brain is overwhelmed by the normal forms. So we got to get in there and find a way to get to these low concentration highly toxic form. Second key point is the normal forms of all of these brain proteins have important physiologic functions, every one of them. So what does that tell us? That the therapy needs to target a toxic form of the protein that's present in very low concentrations, the prions. Secondly, must not target or neutralize or knock out the normal forms of these proteins because they have important normal functions that need to be preserved. So the, the conclusion from a therapeutic standpoint is we must design and develop therapies 
that are highly selective for only the toxic forms of these proteins, whether it's toxic forms of alpha-synuclein for Parkinson's disease and MSA, toxic forms of amyloid beta and tau for Alzheimer's disease, toxic forms of TDP43 for frontal temporal dementia and ALS. The basic underlying message is the same. Low concentration of prions protect the normal forms by not targeting them, being highly selective so that your product only knocks out and neutralizes the prions that are killing neurons. So I guess, of course, that begs the question, how far away are we from drugs that can do this? Yeah. Uh, Well, still a ways to go. I know that's not very specific, but there's still work to be done. However, now with a clear understanding of the role of the um, misfolded alpha-synuclein as the root cause here, uh, therapies are currently being designed and developed to talk, uh, to knock out, excuse me, and neutralize these toxic oligomers. And as a reminder, selectivity is essential. Selectivity for the prion, for the toxic oligomer. They're synonyms, by the way. Toxic oligomers are prions. Reminder that selectivity is essential to avoid side effects and have an effective treatment so that you can use or administer fairly high doses to the patient, knowing that the doses of the product will only neutralize toxic forms if they're highly selective, won't waste ammunition on the normal forms, and avoid side effects from binding or knocking out the normal forms. Second key point is we, I believe, and many researchers in the field, whether in academia or in in, uh, biotechnology companies, many of us now believe that the so-called biomarker revolution is going to fundamentally change the time it takes and the cost it takes to identifying therapies that truly slow or stop the dying of neurons, which is obviously what we want to do to uh, stop the root cause. Um, In fact, with biomarkers, and there are other podcasts in our series that speak more specifically about this, we should be able, in first clinical trials, not after six, seven, or eight years and hundreds of millions of dollars, but in the first clinical trials, we should be able to determine that the therapy we're administering is stopping or at least slowing the death of neurons. We should be able to see this in about 12 months of treatment. Biomarkers such as neurofilament light, which we've talked about on prior podcasts and has been in the news very recently, neurofilament light is measurable in the blood and monthly blood draws in patients uh, in an early clinical trial should allow us to see that the levels of the biomarker are coming down very rapidly if it is indeed true that the product is slowing or stopping the killing of neurons. So lots of hope on the horizon because good work is being done in in biotech companies to design and develop highly selective um, therapies against the toxic prion form of alpha-synuclein. And we now have an exciting clinical paradigm or model or system, if you like, that should allow us to determine whether that therapy is truly effective and is indeed doing what we expect it to do, and that's slow or stop the killing of neurons. So hope on the horizon, Shanti. Well, and that's a wonderful way to end. Um, This has been very interesting. It's great to have you back on the podcast, and I guess we'll end it today and hope to have you back with us as a host and also as a guest for our future episodes. Look forward to it. Thank you.